Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. Hey, food bloggers. I am so excited to replay a favorite Eat Blog Talk episode for you today, just in case you've forgotten it or in case you have never heard it before. The original episode is number 63 with Levin Wee. <laughs> that rhymed. And he talks about just great Instagram hacks that are going to take your Instagram game to the next level. This was one of the most popular episodes in the archives for a really long time. It's recently moved out of top five just because we have so many other great guests bringing great content to the um, podcast, but it is just packed with gold and Levin really brings his game to this episode. So I want to introduce you to this replay. I hope you enjoy these Instagram hacks. Hello, food bloggers. Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, the podcast made for bloggers who are seeking value for their businesses and their lives. Today, I will be chatting with Levin Wee from feednoodle.com, and we will cover how to improve Instagram engagement and reach. Levin Wee is a professional social media strategist and account manager who has worked with dozens of clients across different contexts, from startups to bloggers, music platforms to comedians. He specializes in Instagram growth hacks that dramatically improve engagement and follower rates. Levin graduated with a doctorate in cultural anthropology, which gives him insights into understanding cultural trends that gain traction on social media. He himself has been a blogger for seven years and has also helped to build and monetize Crazy Vegan Kitchen, games like Zone, and other blogs. Before we give Instagram all of our attention, Levin, give us a fun fact about yourself. Hello. Thank you for having me here. Fun fact, I come all the way from Singapore and we don't have four seasons here. We have one, which is summer. <laughs> 12, 12 months a year. What is the average temperature and does the temperature vary or is it pretty much the same throughout the year? On a good there maybe 31 degrees Celsius or 35. Uh, it's like a oven. Oh. <laughs> Hello, global uh, warming. <laughs> well, you should come visit Minnesota. We definitely have seasons figured out here. So we could give you a variety of different options. <laughs> yeah. I love, uh, I love the U.S., by the way. I've been there uh, once. And one of my favorite countries in the world to visit, especially for the fast food. Oh, I, yes. I couldn't help myself there. Oh, it's like a drug, right? <laughs> well, that is fun. Thank you for sharing that. Now, let's dig into improving Instagram engagement and reach. Why don't we start just by establishing how Instagram is different from other platforms, including our blogs? Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Okay, so I've been kind of interacting with food bloggers for, you know, seven, eight years now. I noticed that, you know, food bloggers are especially really good with Pinterest, right? And pretty good with Facebook, but Instagram is kind of like the foreign land for them. It's like, oh my God, what do I do with this? So, but the key thing that food bloggers should keep in mind is that uh, research shows, like a, a study by Rival IQ actually shows that Instagram has the highest average uh, engagement 
In fact, in the food uh, industry, the food blogging industry, it's about 1.69%, which is the engagement rate, which is much higher than Facebook and Twitter by a huge margin. But one of the key things that food bloggers, when they approach Instagram in mind, is that you can actually achieve engagement rates of 5 to 15% if you use it right. So one of the things I would recommend to food bloggers is to view it as its own unique social media platform to be treated slightly differently from the rest, not just a place where you you know, you photo dump uh, a nice food photo and hope for the best. The strategy for growth for Instagram is unique in and of itself would be my my first advice, you know. Yeah. So it is different from Facebook in that way, because I think a lot of us do that on Facebook where we're, we just, I liked the term you used, photo dump. We <laughs> dump a photo or a video and we just pray that it does well and then we kind of step away. At least those of us like me who don't really dive into Facebook. Um, but Instagram is really different and it's unique. And I loved your numbers. So what is a typical engagement rate on other platforms? You mentioned that one point, was it 1.7% is typical for food on Instagram? What's typical on other platforms? So based on the research by Rival IQ, which I just looked at, uh, Facebook on average is actually 0.12%, which is miserable. But everybody knows Facebook pages is on, you know, it's the difficult monster to wield. Twitter is 0.058%, which is even worse. So, you know, given that food blogging is very recipe heavy and photo centric, Instagram is actually a very good marrying of, you know, content with uh, social media. To me, from my experience, uh, although the normative for Instagram is 1.69%, it's actually not that hard to bring it much higher with you know certain hacks and the way that you approach the platform. So you mentioned that it's possible to get up to five to fifteen percent, which just seems crazy. But that's so awesome. So give us some of your hacks. What are some ways that we can really hit that higher number and get engagement just killing it on Instagram? So I think the key thing, the first, the fundamental thing that when people approach Instagram is to treat it as a platform for showcasing personality and creating a community of of fans, right? Even super fans. It's not just a place where you put a photo, you use a few hashtags and then you walk away and hope for the best, right? It is something where you can kind of treat it as like the the doorway to your blog, right? Um, At the end of the day for food bloggers, you want people to go to your blog because that's where the monetization happens, right? But you have to treat Instagram as kind of like the gateway to bring people in. And in order to do that, uh, you have to be willing to showcase your personality beyond just showing a, a photo of food, for example. Because on Instagram, it's all about how you come across. It's about the entirety of who you are as a person. That's what really um, thrives on Instagram. Uh, and from there, that's where you create a sense of community amongst your followers. I can go into specifics, of course. Well, first, let me ask you, how real do you feel like we should be on Instagram? Because I always say this, I feel like that's one of the good things from my perspective about Instagram is that it actually is a platform that allows us to be more real than any other platform ever has done. So I personally like that. But what are your thoughts on that? Some people are worried about, you know, showing too much about their lives and 
and you know revealing too much about themselves but i think instagram is a good platform to kind of practice with that you can always show a little bit of what you're doing throughout the day even if it's like um, a fun supermarket uh, shopping session, for example, you you should try to bring people into what you're doing, not just show them what you're doing, right? It's not just about the final, showing the final product of a nice uh, food photo. Uh, Instagram works best when you welcome people into the process of creation. In welcoming people into what you're doing to plan for the next uh, recipe or the next post, in doing that, you are also showing an aspect of your personality that in an area that you're comfortable with because it's relating to food after all, right? And that is an opportunity to be, to showcase a little bit of transparency in, in the process of creation. Uh, obviously, that's the whole debate of how real is real on social media, right? But I've, you know, I find that just retaining an authentic transparency and showing more of yourself goes a long way because the more you give, uh, the more you get in return. And you can always just moderate that exposure as and when you see fit. So you're talking to food bloggers. So obviously our feeds are largely based on food. So do you recommend that we also include other parts of our lives? Is that smart? Is that a smart business choice or like sprinkle it in here and there? Or how much of it should be non-food? I think it really depends on the the individual, what they're comfortable with. But I would recommend, uh, you know, start with sprinkling it in a little bit. Uh, tell a story, right? Instagram thrives on storytelling that is coupled with photos and everything. So uh, if it shows uh, your pet dog, for example, or your pet cat with the food, that would be, you know, it's, it's two things that people love. Tell the story of, of you know, the recipe that you're making and why it's um, it's uh, your favorite or, um, you know, just show a little bit of what goes into planning a recipe, for example. Aspects of this can be really interesting to, to people who are on Instagram. Um, one thing that I do notice among food bloggers is the, they would usually show a photo of the food and then they'll be like, oh my God, this is the best pancake ever and uh, this is the best this and that um if i'm being frank too many people have adopted that tone of speaking so it comes across as a little not as yeah insincere and not extraordinary it doesn't show the uniqueness of how you would naturally speak or introduce something right you know i personally if i were to meet somebody who keeps telling me that this is the best and of everything i would feel a bit awkward um, so it's just be natural, even if it means uh, I struggled with this recipe, it was so hard to make. I spent eight hours in the kitchen figuring this out. Please appreciate me. <laughs> Something weird and a little bit off tension like this is, is interesting, you know, to people. You're right. Like a lot of us, I mean, we're foodies, right? So we love food. So maybe we do feel like everything we make is the best. And at the in the moment, especially we're like, oh, this is amazing. This is so good. <laughs> but when we say it over and over and I am I am guilty of this because I love food so much and I'm like, this is the best recipe ever. But I do try to tone it down and maybe not say the word the best in every single post. Like but I like, yeah, <laughs> but I liked what you said. Like you can point out different aspects of the recipe easily while still keeping people's interest. The cool thing is that food has a story as well. You don't just 
come, you know, the recipe doesn't pop out of anywhere. There's always a history and a story to tell with relation to food. And I think Instagram is one of the best avenues to do that as well. Yeah, that's very interesting because as you talked about earlier, this is all about showcasing our personalities. So we have a story to tell about our relationship with food and also what's going on in our lives and who we are as people. But also food has a story too. So all of that combined can be really interesting if we do it well. Yeah. And as, uh, you know, as far as my imagination can go, um, it, it, you know, you can, you can put it on Instagram. It can be a funny story. It can be a, uh, and the key thing is to go for being authentic and triggering people to respond, right? When you share something relatable, that's when people want to relate with you. And that's how you improve engagement, right? When you approach Instagram as a storytelling, open-ended story, that's when people come in and contribute their own stories or their own thoughts and comments and stuff. And that's when the algorithm starts to, you know, start to move the needle in the right direction uh, for as a food blogger. Instagram stories is really good for that because you can invite people in really easily with just telling stories on video and doing polls and all of the cool features inside of there. So how does stories play into the algorithm? I love Instagram stories. It's so self-indulgent, but it's so beautiful at the same time. <laughs> the, the cool thing about Instagram, right? You have polls, you have quizzes, you, can, you have live chats. Uh, you have all these fun things you can do. And um, I don't think food bloggers are completely utilizing the possibility of them first. But just to backtrack a little bit, the way that stories work best is to understand that Instagram on a very holistic level, right? Um, so the key thing when using Instagram is to kind of get prioritized on people's home feed. You know, when you open Instagram and you go to home, and you notice that certain people on your that you're following tend to appear near the top more often than not. The key thing is to kind of know how to get there, right? Somebody could be following 500 people. You want to be like the top 10 or the top 20. Stories do have a part to play in that, uh, which I'll kind of get around to. The key metrics or the key uh, variables that affect your position in a follower's feed, right? There are three main factors. The first one is uh, relevancy, which is, um, let's say if you're a user that browses a lot of food, then Instagram will try to recommend you more of the same on your home feed, right? So that is, you leave it to the algorithm to figure out what your, your Instagram is kind of about for them to recommend it. Uh, you don't have full control of how that works, except, you know, just being consistent in the kind of content that you post. The second factor is uh, timing. So uh, once in a while, you will have other posts um, appearing near the top, uh, but it's not entirely in chronological order. But they do tend to favor posts that are newer versus a post that's going to be like two or three weeks old, which is not likely to appear at the top, right? So that's timing and relevancy. But the third factor, the one that you have the most control over is the closeness of relation factor. So Instagram is always calculating, trying to estimate how close are you to uh, the person that you're following. And it is a metric that they measure like more likely if you are defined as somebody who is close to someone else, they're going to prioritize your feed much more high. 
uh, higher because they would kind of guess that, okay, you will be more interested in somebody that you're closer to versus somebody who is more distant, right? So like uh, friends, family, partners, whatever. If you notice, you do tend to see people that you kind of know a little bit more nearer to the top of your feet. And How does Instagram know that? As for privacy law, I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> but okay, you know, oh. I'm kidding. They do it from measuring certain aspects of interaction that happens on Instagram. The key thing is that the more you engage with someone individually from account to account, the more likely over time your account will appear higher in their feed. And there are certain stuff that they keep track of, uh, which includes uh, an exchange of comments, uh, the amount of times that they like a post. It also includes DM conversations. If you chat with somebody more frequently on DM, they are more likely to see your public posts on their feed when they log in the next time. So any interaction at all within Instagram, they're taking note of. And, you know, the more you do it, the more... um, the more likely they'll see your post. And the more likely they'll see your post is the more likely they are going to like and comment, right? So to answer your question about stories, when you post more frequently on your stories or like a post, a, a, a poll or a quiz or a live chat or what, whichever, right? That factors into the level of interaction. Um, so if somebody keeps voting on your poll because you post a lot of polls, Instagram's algorithm is taking that into account because it says, okay, this person is interested in whatever he or she is posting. Let's push, you know, let's push uh, their feet higher in the, in the future. Um, because at the end of the day, Instagram wants to know that you are interested in something. And if they feed you more of what you have shown that you're interested in, you're going to stay on Instagram for a longer time, right? Which is uh, more more power to them. I mean, right. Beneficial for them. (laughs) So really, I mean, there are so many different ways to interact on Instagram, which is so cool. There's stories and then there's comments in the profile images. And then there's also DMs. Really, they're taking note of all of that. Everything. And, you know, if you game that in your favor by committing to, you know, like what I said, building community interaction, authentic engagement, you will be rewarded in kind with in, an increased engagement that starts to reach a, a new group of people because they keep pushing your content to more and more people. Um, here's an interesting hack, which uh, which were, uh, I hope food bloggers will try it because I can almost guarantee you if they do it for two weeks every day, they will get back to you and tell you, oh my God, my engagement Ooh. is improving. Okay. So, <laughs> so um, can you tell I love this topic? Yes, yeah. I can. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> okay. So every time you post a new photo on your Instagram, right? Don't just post and leave and hope for the best. The moment that you post it, what Instagram is going to be doing is that within the first hour, they are measuring what, not just the, the amount of engagement, but the rate of engagement as well. So what they're looking for is if they'll feed it to maybe 100 or 500 people and they'll look at the rate of engagement, the higher the rate, the more they start pushing it to the rest of your followers, which is why sometimes you don't see every post um, from somebody you're following, right? Because Instagram kind of gauge that, okay, the rate of engagement is not very high. So we're just going to kill the feed and 
make it reach fewer people. So the, the goal is to kind of get the reach as far as possible. In that sense, what you do within the first hour of posting is absolutely crucial in getting it to more and more people. It's absolutely crucial in helping you rank for your hashtags as well that you use, right? So in order to trigger that within that first hour, that intense rate of engagement, the first thing you can do is to immediately respond to people who have left a comment on your post, right? Because even your own comment contributes to on to the rate of engagement. So if within the first hour, just sit there, if people comment, respond back, ask them an, a question like, oh, are you going to try this recipe or what do you think of this? You no, know, is turkey your favorite, you know, kind of dish or, you know, um, so asking open-ended questions kind of instigates them to respond further, which further adds to the intensity of the engagement. Um, so that yeah. first hour is really pivotal. Crucial, pivotal. As well, when you post, uh, you can also send a DM to people that you have initiated conversations to in the past. So if you have a new follower, just say, hi, thanks for following, how's your day? And then when you post something, just send them a quick hello, like, hey, how are you doing? Uh, have you seen my new recipe? I mean, I'm not sure if you like it, but just tell me what you think by commenting or, you know, leave, leaving. You don't have to ask for a like. You can just ask them to look at it. And if they're engaged, they're just going to comment anyway. I mean, you don't even have to be so specific. Just say hi and direct them to your post. They will usually engage, which again, increases the rate of engagement. That's great yeah. advice. When you post something, also post it on the story and direct people to the new post so that they can all pull in and start engaging on the post together. If Instagram says, wow, this is great. This is great level of engagement. Let's push it to the other thousand or 5,000 followers. That's when you have a snowball effect because you start ranking a hashtags and you start bringing new people in. Okay. So for two weeks, we post one profile picture a day. Is that right? Or should we do more? Uh, you can do it once a day, once in three days. Um, okay. But so it doesn't have to be once a day. It can be every couple of days. But every time we post something new, if we are on our game and ready to go with that first hour and just like respond immediately, respond with engaging comments that might re-engage them. And then to take it a step further, we could even send direct messages and then also new followers coming in. I love that advice. As you're talking, I was thinking you could even put a very simple, easy script into your notes app on your phone and just copy and paste it over. Like every time someone new follows you, like, hey, thanks for following. That would also help engagement. And then I loved your idea about this. And I know a lot of bloggers do this already, but I do not. I never have. But every time you put up a new post, immediately go over to stories and say, hey, this is a new post I just put up, just directing people there. So people on stories can go and hopefully engage on the profile as well. So after two weeks, Levin, you say that our engagement should be up. Consider it an open challenge that will be to, to, <laughs> okay. to people's benefits. Done. I'm taking you up on it. I'm going to start it today. I will report back. <laughs> With regards to what you said about the script, uh, there's a function in Instagram called uh, Quick Replies, uh, which actually allows you to kind of save um, kind of template res uh, uh, template uh, phrasings and uh, responses to people. And you just need to click twice. So people can use that. And it works to save time. But here's a 
a magic bullet that you can use, right? Every time you get a new follower, just take a few seconds to look at their profile. You know, if they have a name or if they, are, they have photos about hiking or, you know, they love dogs or they love cats. So you can usually see it on their profile. Um, so take, you know, five, 10 seconds, look at their profile, drop them a DM. And I can guarantee you, if you address them by their name or their interests, the chances of them responding is much higher because it shows that you invested time, right, into people who could potentially follow you. And just from spending that few seconds to show that, you know, you're genuine, people are actually very generous in, in giving back, you know, because you immediately stand out from the crowd of people who are just cutting and pasting generic responses. And, and people don't like that, right? They know when you're just kind of like, hey, I want you to give me something. Here's my generic hello, right? But if you just take a moment and say, hey, Jack, or hey, Mary, uh, how's the day? You know, um, I've never tried hiking, but it's cool. Anyways, thanks for following me. How is your day? Something as simple as that reestablishes the human connection that is actually the reason why we use social media in the first place. And people tend to forget that, right? It, they tend to treat social media as a billboard, to, to a one-way billboard to shout out to the world, hey, look at my recipe, or look at what I've done. But really, social media is just a tool to establish connection with people. And if we approach Instagram in that way, uh, with that philosophy, it, the one hour that you have to sit down every time you prepare a post becomes actually quite fun because that's the opportunity to connect with the people who are interested in what you're doing way beyond just a comment on the blog post. You know, it's a conversation and that's why Instagram is so beautiful and that's why I love it. That's awesome. Okay, I have so much to reply to. So first of all, I'm glad that you called me out on that about the just copying and pasting because you were so right. Every time I get that from somebody and once in a while I do, I'm like, ew, just because it's so impersonal and I never reply to those. But when people use my name, that is the thing for me that makes me say, okay, they took the time, even if they just went over to my profile really quick, hey, they took the time to do that. So I am so much more likely to reply if if I see that. If people call me by my name, it makes a huge impact for me. And then I also have to ask about the quick replies. So I have no idea where how to utilize this. How do I use this? Quick replies can be used, you know, it, it seems a bit counterintuitive to be personable by using quick replies, right? But quick replies can be for basic stuff like, hey, thanks for thanks for your time or something simple like that. Uh, it's actually in the settings, uh, in under your, your business settings uh, in your Instagram. But another way you can uh, do it as well is um, uh, it's actually in every DM that you start, there's a little icon on the bottom right. So when you type something, you can save it as a quick reply uh, from there, looking at the icon on the bottom right corner. You just have to click it and it will expand and there'll be something that looks a little bit like a chat. I call not something. Um, so let's say you say thank you for your time. And then you just uh, have this little icon, you save it. And in order to trigger a quick reply in the future, you just have to save like a trigger word, like uh, thanks. So if you type, if you type like thanks, thanks in the chat, it will prompt you whether you want to use the quick reply or not. Uh, or you can just open up the 
little icon in the bottom right and click it and you will have a list of different uh, quick replies that you can use uh, at various points of the conversation. Wow, I had no idea that was an option. So I learned something very new today. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you can kind of use it 50, you know, 50, 50% of the time. I wouldn't overuse it, but it does save time. So if you're handling like, you know, 20, 30 conversations, um, certain like have a nice day and stuff like that. I think it's okay. Uh, as long as we always kind of return to the authentic conversation. The personal, yeah. yeah. And I wanted to point out one other thing that you mentioned earlier about just keeping in mind that Instagram isn't a place for you to go and just shout from the rooftops about, look at my recipe. I'm so awesome. I created this. It's more of a an engagement. Like I was talking to someone recently about Facebook and she said this exact same thing about Facebook. It's not a platform to go talk about yourself. It's a place to go and interact with people. And it's called social media for a reason. So I like to think of it as more like a party. Like you wouldn't go to a party and like just talk only about yourself. You would go and you would want to interact with people. You would want people to get to know you and vice versa. So I like that kind of visual of being at a party and like, you standing on stage and doing all the talking is ridiculous. That wouldn't happen. But a lot of people do see social media like that. So getting past that and seeing it, seeing it more like a, an opportunity to engage, I think is only going to benefit us. Definitely. I think understanding the psychology of it, people love it when you ask about them and when you refer to them about their name, when you give them an opportunity to, to be part of the conversation. So, you know, when you bring that mentality to Instagram, instead of, hey, I'm just going to drop this photo and hope for the best. I think if you approach it in that way, it really changes the entirety of how you use it. And it becomes actually really fun because you know how with blogs, um, people leave the comment and you might not see it like a day later or or like uh, it's always instructional kind of comments of like, I tried this, I didn't try that. For some reason, I can't find this particular cheese. It's your problem, not mine, etc. cetera. Um, so Instagram, because of that whole one hour thing, is very almost like a live interaction, especially if you throw in, you know, the live chat thing or the DM. It, it's much more like messenger uh, than blog comments. Yeah, that's really great stuff. Do you have any more hacks for us? So, well, some of the best is the way you use hashtags. This is this one I think a lot of food bloggers know, the whole the tiered system of using the hashtag. When you make a post, obviously everybody knows you have to use hashtags. Um, the point, the question is what hashtags do I use, right? That, you know, doesn't, that actually leads to the most growth. Um, so the key thing is to see hashtags uh, as three tiers, right? The small hashtags, the medium hashtags, and the, the large ones. Um, the What constitutes small, medium, and large is obviously uh, subjective. But my general gauge, a small hashtag would be anywhere from 1,000 to 10,000 people have used it. Uh, a medium would be like you know, 10,000 to to let's say 100,000 and anything larger than 100,000 uh, usage of the hashtag is probably a big hashtag, uh, a big hashtag. So you want to kind of balance uh, between small, medium and large because ranking on the small hashtags is much easier. And when 
And that brings in a small pool of people, right? And then with that new small pool of people, if they start engaging, that pushes you to the medium level hashtags and you start appearing on the, you know how there's the top, uh, when you search a hashtag and then you have like the top versus the reason, you want to appear on the top one. So, um, you know, as you go up the different tiers due to your one hour of intense engagement, you start rising from the ranking in the top of the small hashtags and then that brings in more people, you create a cycle, then you start ranking on the medium hashtags. That will bring in even more people and they start engaging and you know, if you reach the point where you can start ranking the top positions of the larger hashtags, that's when your growth has just happened organically. You don't, you don't even need ads because you are tiering your hashtags. Usually I use between, I don't use too many. I, I, I think it is unsightly. So I usually use about 10, maximum 15. Uh, hashtags but again that's subjective but from my experience 10 to 15 is a comfortable number for you to have you know to potentially increase your reach maybe three to five small hashtags of uh, three to five medium and three to five large is a good balance that is a great kind of guidepost because i've heard people use that tier top. I mean, I haven't used, I haven't heard people say like the three tier strategy, but I have heard people say use smaller and medium range and larger, but it's good to have those numbers just as kind of a guideline for us. So you wouldn't recommend using over 15 ish because it just looks, it's off putting, right? When you see it, you're like, Oh, that's a lot of hashtags. Or what is your reason for not getting to the 30. I think one of the reasons is that people tend to see hashtags as individualized, right? Individual hashtags like food, food blogger, they are each individual hashtags. But the way that I see hashtags and the way that Instagram actually looks at hashtags, hashtags create context. It creates the context of the post that you're, you're talking about. So your hashtags, if you start to use too many, you're diluting the, the, the context that the algorithm needs to understand what the post is about so that they know who to push it to, right? To me, that's a nice a nice number to go by where you can still kind of maximize your possibility of extending your reach, but you don't go too far that the context of the post becomes uh, diluted. And a good, useful hashtag research tool is already inbuilt inside Instagram. So you don't really have to use all those fancy third party tools. Uh, every time you search in a, a, the hashtag on Instagram, let's say uh, food blog, for example, hashtag food blog. If you notice in the near the top bar, uh, there's a, a bar that says related hashtags, and then you can kind of scroll right. That is actually Instagram telling you, look, we have already kind of clustered these hashtags together. So the more relevant hashtags in that bar that you can use uh, in your post, you should, because they are using hashtags to kind of categorize your post and push it to people based on their food, uh, based on their interests. And if it happens to be food, then, you know, or it happens to be like vegan food, for example, a niche within the, the food blogging niche. That's when they can, they know what your post is about and they'll push it to relevant and new people. So do your research within the tool itself. It, the answers are right in front of us, right? We just have to know where to look for them. 
Yeah, I think we tend to want to find something else. Like there's some magic, amazing tool outside of Instagram that we should all be using. And hashtags in Instagram is always a question, I think, for food bloggers because we never really know, like, what should we be doing? So I love that you're pointing out that it's kind of right in front of us if we just use what is within the tool, then that works just fine. You know, I've always used this method for any client that I message, whether it's food or comedy or anything. I never actually leave the app when I'm doing something. I just look at the hashtags related. I just choose them and, you know, it always works. So you rest assured that you don't have to pay like 50 to $100 a month to use some other tools. It's, It's all for free in the app itself. So I think I know what you're going to say about this, but what are your thoughts on using um, a scheduling tool such as Tailwind or Planoly to schedule your Instagram posts? Okay. <laughs> uh, so this one is kind of like a hot topic amongst food bloggers, right? Because they're, they're really busy and stuff. Uh, I think scheduling tools, um, they're really good when you have reached a certain amount of success and a certain amount of followers. Uh, where you can kind of automate certain tasks. Uh, of course, food bloggers are busy people as well. One of the kind of drawbacks which I kind of avoid is that when you use a uh, scheduling tool, you kind of post it out there and then you leave to do something else, which works against the whole one-hour principle that I, I talked about, right? And there's no shortcut to organic, genuine interaction. So... If you're using a scheduling tool, I think a good thing would be to keep in mind when the thing is going out so that you can be ready to catch the incoming wave yourself and no tools can do that for you, right? I would say use it in the right context, but don't use it to escape the hard manual work of organic uh, engagement and conversation. So really scheduling tools can interfere with that magic hour. But if you're doing it, say, at the same time, say you've scheduled out like a month's worth of content and you're doing it at approximately the same time every day and you know it's coming and you're taking the actual like posting of the photo and copy off of your hands, but you could go in and still be available for the engagement part. That would work, right? That would be the perfect balance of, of balancing automation with organic. Yeah. Okay. You know, like a food blogger Android or something. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what are your thoughts about frequency of posting? And then outside of that one hour window, how much should we be engaging outside of that? Like how much time basically should we be spending on Instagram? Because like you said, 11 food bloggers are busy and we have a lot to do. So <laughs> we need like, we need to be told sometimes just, you know, Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> to stop, yes. <laughs> the thing about Instagram is it's a little bit like a yellow brick road, right? It, it, it gets started and it just never ends. So, which is why I, I recommend the one hour because um, unless you are in my position where you are managing like 20 people, you don't want to be stuck for the whole day and, you know, uh, ignore everyone else. I would actually recommend that you don't have to post uh you should not post more than once a day, in my humble opinion, okay. because um, if you post too many times in a day, you become your own competition, right? <laughs> Somebody's going to see the post, two or three of your posts in the feed, and they might not like all of them. 
So you're affecting your own reach in a way um, because you're diluting the same core audience across many posts. Uh, it is better to have one post do better rather than dilute that same amount of engagement across uh, different posts. So I would say once a day, but you don't have to be too obsessive about, oh, I have to post every day, right? For certain clients, I even post like once in three days and it's fine. It is not so much. Frequency matters because it improves your probability of reaching more people. But what you do with each post individually is much more important. But at the same time, like you said, you don't want to get too lost. So I would limit it to one hour max and then you go and do something else like have a real life or something limit it to one hour set a timer and just get the the engine running in your favor and then just let it do its thing maybe you can come back you know before you sleep just respond to a few comments go to bed that's fine you know about one hour maximum. okay so really no more than an hour is needed i mean just to get things going, get the momentum going. I am in a lull right now. I'm in one of those little pockets where I look at it, my numbers, my followers, and I'm like, oh my God, I swear I was there like two months ago. And it's just frustrating. (laughs) But you know what? It's because I'm not in there every day. I have like all these other projects I'm working on right now. So I'm not taking the time for Instagram. But I think if I did just take even like 15, 20, 30 minutes a day to go in and do what you're saying and really engage with people and show up at my party and and show people that, that I'm sure those numbers would go up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even if, if, let's say somebody's a bit cautious, it's like, oh, I'm not sure if this is going to be worth it. Even if they just try 15, 20 minutes a day, like you said, within, seriously, within two weeks, they're going to see a, a difference. Uh, I can guarantee that actually, because I have had to take low engagement accounts and damage the accounts and have to bring them up from the ruins, so to yeah. speak. <laughs> so my goal is to make them rise like a phoenix again. So uh, <laughs> I, I know rise that like you, <laughs> yeah. if you just invest a little bit of time every day, eventually it turns in your favor. Uh, and if you if you go in and it's like, okay, I'm not sure what to do. The first thing you can always do is, you know, look at the past people who have liked your post, but maybe have not said anything, right? They, they like it, but they haven't commented. Just go and look at who has liked your post. Um, drop them a tag and say, hey, Laura, uh, hey, Megan, um, thanks for liking this post. You know, um, do you think you'll give it a try? So you can kind of retro, uh, retroactively go back to your past post and kind of bring in people who have lightly interacted with you and kind of increase the intensity of their engagement. If, if you're looking for a starting point to kind of, you know, kick some life back into uh, a zombie Instagram account. <laughs> That's really smart. And I think there are so many little tricks that you're mentioning that you could do to really boost. And I think if you do a handful of them, you could probably see a difference. And Levin just guaranteed us <laughs> to see improvements. So I am actually personally going to employ a few of these fun little strategies that you're talking about. And I am going to get back to you in two weeks from today. So be checking your email. Okay. So you are the king of hacks on Instagram. Is there anything else you have for us? We've got to wrap up in about five minutes or so, but do you have any other hacks that we could talk about first? Um, hacks in terms of like actionable stuff? 
anything, any Instagram hacks like your favorite? I would use stories and I would be sure to put in a hashtag and the location because that's where people can find you as well. I would actually venture to go live. Um, I know not every football blogger has done this. Try using Instagram live. And if you're nervous, just film the food that you're making. You know, maybe they're not interested in looking at you. They want to look at the food and show them the live food. Let them chat, talk to them. I challenge every food blogger to at least give it a try um, because that's one of the most beautiful ways to increase your interaction live. Um, and that's a great hack that not everyone has used uh, yet um, because maybe they're shy, they're, they're a bit, you know, stage. No, it's not really a stage, right? Fright, yeah, life frightened. Yeah, um, life frightened. Yeah. I think it's the f- fear for me. I've never gone live in, with an Instagram because I'm always afraid that there's going to be like one person watching. And I just feel like, what is the point? But what I mean, what is the point of why is live better than, say, stories? Okay, one way to overcome the one person watching thing, which is, uh, which, yeah, which is a first world problem. But uh, I guess one, one good way is for a week, keep interacting with people on DM and post first, right? Get them uh, liven up towards you, warm up towards you. And then when you go live, uh, you won't have the one person problem. Real time conversations are more interesting than shouting into the void. Right. Um, so life is the same thing. Somebody can ask you a question and then you can crack a joke. You can show them. And uh, anyone who enters your life uh, and starts chatting is, again, is contributing to to the level of interaction. And naturally, when the conversation is live, the amount of pe- that people are typing is also more because they're engaged in the moment. Um, so going live and if 10 people are just like, typing emojis, uh, hey, how's your day? Oh my God, what's that? All of that counts to interaction versus uh, a non-real-time DM. Life is one of the best instruments for improving your, 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 your feed and the level of interaction. Real-world conversation, basically. That makes sense. That helps me kind of wrap my head around why I would do it. I just feel like I'm... I don't know. I, I feel like food bloggers reasons to go live would be to showcase food and how could we make that unique enough that people would actually want to dive into a live and then I've done this before where I see someone else's live and I tap on it and then I'm just like not really interested and I feel bad leaving so I (laughs) sit there and watch it because I feel like oh there's three people here so I have to sit here and I don't want anyone to ever have to do that for me yeah it's like you go to a party and then somebody starts to be boring and you kind of want to wander away but you don't want to be rude (laughs) you keep listening because they're talking so you're like oh (laughs) okay so i guess one actionable stuff that you can do apart from getting the dms and commenting and bringing people in uh is you can make it like a fun thing right you could be at a supermarket for example right and you go live Okay, apart from everybody else around you thinking you're a little bit weird, but <laughs> yeah. uh, when you're at the supermarket and let's say you're looking at the chi- you're looking at chicken and you're looking at turkey and then you're asking them live, so what is the next recipe you want to see? What kind of recipe do you want me to make turkey or chicken? Why don't you you know you decide for me? And I, you're giving you're giving them some sort of incentive to interact because people love it when they are shaping what comes. 
right? Um, so you can make it something fun like this, or you can even say, showcase the different ingredients that you're using. Uh, today we're going to use this, or should I, do you want to have spicy food or non-spicy food? You, you decide. And then after the live, you, you can have the next post, uh, what most people decided they wanted to see. And that's a benefit of that because, you know, people who were in your chat would be so excited to see like, oh my God, I, I, I helped to shape this recipe. I, now I'm going to come and comment and uh, I'm really interested because I felt part of the process and no better way to do it than live or a poll or, you know, whichever. Um, include people in the process of creation, which I said at the start. Um, and people are just more emotionally invested in the outcome. Yeah, when they can contribute to what's going on. I totally agree with that. And I love that you mentioned just doing it in another setting. Like, what a great idea, going to the grocery store or doing it somewhere just weird and off the wall instead of propped up, you know, in my kitchen, which is kind of boring. Just trying to think outside the box a little bit and doing it somewhere really unique so that when people come in right away, they're like, wait, where is she? (laughs) What is she doing? Yeah. Yeah, so predictability I, I like is the is the opposite of interesting engagement. You can be pre- you can be unpredictable in a fun way, you know. Even if you try to eat food on like a roller coaster, that would be funny. <laughs> <laughs> See, like there's a million things you could do that would be just really unique. I had this idea once that I never did, but now t- after talking to you, I feel like I should. But we have an RV that we use in the summer, and we travel in it, and it's like we love it. And I had this idea once to do a live video from the top of my RV, like sitting on top of it and making food up there. And people would be like, where is she? You can she? have a picnic on top have of it. Have a picnic. So I'm, I'm totally going to do that. And that would make a good photo as well. Yes. Yeah, but I think you're starting to get where I'm coming from, right? Like yeah, all these right. wild and slightly off-tangent ideas can be... It's not only make, breaks the monotony of a food blogger because, you know, any blogger can tell you if you do so much of the same thing in the same way, you get burnt out because it's repetitive, right? And it's repetitive to your readers uh, and fans as well. So if you have this idea to, hey, today I'm going to take my recipe on top of, of, of a vehicle and I'm going to show you that how nice it is on top and everybody's yeah. staring at me like I'm nuts, <laughs> but that's fun. Right? My neighbors are, are taking pictures of me, but that's okay. Yeah, I'll give them a I'll give them a basket of cookies later. Yeah, so. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, stuff like that, you know, and it makes the whole process it it, it changes the whole way you approach uh, food blogging because suddenly all this personality driven aspects of of content creation comes in, and that's a perfect marriage with not just your blog but Instagram as well, and it's fun. It makes it fun, which is why people do this in the first place. It's not just to make money or grow a brand. It has to be fun. And to be fun, you have to try things that are new and bring some people who are interested in seeing what you're doing. And maybe be a little weird sometimes and that's okay. That will that will intrigue people. That's what make them that's what makes each person unique. Exactly. Oh, I love that. It's just such a, you've given me such a fresh perspective today of just how to think about how we can connect differently with our audience. And there's such a template, like just specifically talking about the live videos where 
if I know a food blogger's on live, I pretty much know what to expect when I if I'm going to click over. So just trying to think outside of that. What can we provide that's really valuable but also really fun and weird? Thank you for that perspective. I <laughs> no really problem. appreciate that. So we're running out of time. So unfortunately, we have to say goodbye. I have a feeling you have many more hacks. So I'm thinking maybe we should do a part two. But sure. <laughs> yeah. But in the meantime, we've just got to say goodbye today, Levin. I really appreciate your time and just taking the time to be here. I know you're across the world and you are up like in the middle of the night doing this. So I really appreciate you doing this today. Yeah. Also, uh, if there's any food blogger um, tuning in and they have any questions or they want to find out more, you can just email me uh, at levenwe at gmail.com. I'm not sure if you can like leave a link or anything, but um, and and don't worry, I, I do this for free. Uh, in fact, a lot of people ask me, why are you not making this into a service or anything, right? Uh, it's because the internet is big enough for all of us to so if you have any questions, I'll, happy, I'll be happy to give you as detailed as a response as possible. And, you know, it's, uh, I'm happy to share my time with you if it means that you are one step closer to living the food blogging dream, which everybody loves. Uh, and I, I love what I do. So I love helping people in this area. I can definitely hear that through your just speaking that you're really passionate about this and it was generous of you to offer that I will include your email within your show notes which can be found at eatblogtalk.com forward slash Levin we and we will also include all the good stuff we've talked about today before we go do you have anything extra words of inspiration or a quote or anything that you would think would inspire food bloggers Pinterest is your best friend, but Instagram is the best party to go to. So give Instagram some love. Um, I like it. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great one and one that I have never heard before. So thank you for sharing that. And then you mentioned your email, Levin. Generously share that with people. But is there somewhere else where people can find you online if they want to look for you? Um, I'm in the Food Blogger Central group by Nagi. they can just search me on Facebook and they can find me, uh, my personal profile. I, I always try to respond to everyone there if, if email doesn't work for them. Yeah. Or you can come to Singapore and I'll, I'll say hi. I'll be oh, your guide. there you go. <laughs> yeah. Not likely to happen, but you know. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> well, thank you for all that you've shared today with us, Levin. And thank you for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.